Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. We're now into week 12, which means we only have five games remaining. And in what seems like forever, we're once again looking forward to a weekend of 49er football. We come up against Tampa Bay on Sunday, and the 49ers lead the series 17-5, with Tampa winning the last game on the 23rd of October 2016. You have to go game. back to... You were at that game. I was at that game, yeah. In Tampa? No, that was in San Francisco. You're right. <laughs> You're <laughs> right because my next sentence actually verifies that. <laughs> so you have to actually go back to 2003, the last time Tampa beat the 49ers in Tampa. And that was a divisional round game in what turned out to be Steve Mariucci's last game as head coach. Yeah, I remember watching that one. Yeah, I mean, after after that game, we had, what, eight, nine years of hurt? Mm. Yeah, we got the, the wonderful Dennis Erickson. Mm. Who would ever forget him? <laughs> yeah. So going into Sunday's game, um, I think consistency has been lacking with the offense this year, which makes it difficult to judge how the game's going to go. We've had our moments where we look absolutely unstoppable. and That's against some of the better teams we've played. But we also have moments where you think we're never ever going to gain another yard. It's it's just been that inconsistent. Whereas the defence, we, we started off slowly, but we have gradually improved. And I don't think it's... Um, they're not seesawing the defence, but the offence is. So, I mean, we're coming up against Tampa Bay on Sunday and Tampa opened the season with wins against both the Saints and Eagles, two teams you would have expected them to lose to. Um, and then they plummeted back down to earth with, with losses against both the Steelers and the Bears. And so far this season, they're the only team that's beaten the Saints. So they've got to have been doing something right at the start of the season. Over the last few games, Tampa have scored 28 points or more in their last three losses and this points to a poor defence costing them wins. And this is where the 49ers need to take advantage if we're going to come away from Tampa with a win. And the the stats basically back up that that train of thought. You look at the books offence, the, the eighth in points scored, first in yards, first in passing yards, 27th in rushing yards, so the rushing's not great for them. And then you look at the defence and it's completely the opposite. Points allowed, the 32nd. Yards allowed, 28th. Pass yards allowed, 28th. Rush yards allowed, 19th. So the defence is definitely a problem for Tampa. And it kind of gives us a little bit hope that we may be able to put plenty of points on the board. So it should make for an interesting game. Who do you think we need to be worried about on the Tampa offence? All of the receivers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that. That's that's going to be where the game's won, I think. If um, Jameis Winston gets gets in his groove and he starts hitting the likes of uh, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, um, Chris Godwin, 
yeah, it's um, pick your poison, isn't it, with those? You know, Sherman can isolate one of them, but how are we going to stop the others? And and that really will be what the game comes down to, I think, for me. that That's the uh, going to be the key thing. It's going to be the Bucks offense against our sort of uh, faltering defense. Is it better for the 49ers that Winston's playing and not um, Fitz Tragic? <sighs> or Fitz Magic. <laughs> um, I mean, it looks like the magic is over, doesn't it? Um, they're both turnover-prone quarterbacks, aren't they? And and the stats reflect that. They they, they lead the league, don't they, in turnovers given away? But do, yeah. They've just chopped and changed all season, haven't they? It must be incredibly frustrating to be a Buccaneers fan because you know they start with Fitzpatrick because Jameis is injured and he sort of lights up the league, doesn't he? Two two and a half weeks in, and then then he's benched because. He throws, I think it was four picks in one game, and then Jameis comes in, and Jameis looks all right for a little bit. Then he has another sort of horror show at quarterback, and then Fitzpatrick comes back in and lights up the league again, and and then he and he throws another three picks in the first half of a game or whatever it was, and then Jameis is back in, and it looks like Winston's starting again on uh, Sunday. Um, I don't know which which is the preferred option, really. Like I say that they're both. Guys who can rack up a 400-yard, 450-yard game without batting an eyelid, but they're also, as we've seen this season, as I just said, they're, they're caught, both quarterbacks can easily throw four picks in, in one game, five picks in one game. So there's a chance that we're, we're going to get a turnover or two from this game. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, we could get as many turnovers in this game as we have all season. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. I mean, the, the stats That's definitely That's the kind of game it up. is. But then on another day, we might give up 500 yards through the air in this game. It, it, it's, it's a really hard one to call this one on Sunday. I think that's a concern, trying to defend going through the air because we haven't been particularly good at that all season long. And when you look at the, the, the yardage that Tampa's putting up, the, the average yardage that Tampa's putting up, and it's pretty scary... When you think they're going to go against our cornerbacks, if you take Sherman away, uh, we're just going to get exposed. And you've already mentioned the wide receivers that Tampa have. They've got a really good wide receiver core. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It might not be... Well, I was going to say it might not be a pretty game to watch. To be honest, I think it will be. I think it'll be a high-scoring game from both sides because basically it's two teams with mediocre to really poor defences. Yeah, yeah, and and I know, I know we've said it before in in games like the Raiders and uh, the Giants and stuff. These are the games we should win and the games that we should get turnovers in. But it hasn't happened, has it? It just hasn't happened for the defense this season. No, it hasn't. You, you mentioned that we're probably going to have a good opportunity to try and turn the ball over, given the way that Tampa's been playing this season. And maybe some of these stats might back up what type of team they are. Since the start of the season, they've had 63 passing players go for more than 20 yards, and 11 mm. of those were for more than 40 yards. So it, it almost feels as though they're kind of a, a home run bust team, yeah. which is why they're getting so many interceptions as well. They're, they're pushing it downfield, and obviously they're getting caught out 23 interceptions so far this season. The 49ers have only had 12. So it, it's a gulf in the turnovers. Yeah. So hopefully the 49er defence can step up and 
get some turnovers this weekend. Yeah, they're also finding themselves in holes quite early as well. There's been quite a few games that when I've just sort of had red zone on, especially on the um, early kickoff. Is you'll see that they're that they'll be sort of 21, 24 nil down, or you know, twenty eight three down by sort of half time. So they seem to be constantly in holes and trying to find their way back from sort of uh, quite high losing positions. So they pretty much um, go away from the run game, and then that's why they're probably getting so many explosive plays downfield and plays over 20 yards because they're constantly just in a sort of throw, throw, throw offense and, and trying to work out how to sort of get them, get themselves out of the holes. I mean, there's been countless games this season where I say they've been three or four touchdowns down and then you sort of, uh, you see it in the fourth corner, fourth quarter and, uh, you know, there's the sort of driving to try and get the winning score and it's sort of a 38, 33 game or something like that. It's uh and that's probably going to be the kind of game that we're going to get in on on Sunday. It could be like a basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, that would be entertaining from one point of view. Yeah, it'd be as, as far as a win loss goes. Yeah, I mean, it's not really going to do much for our season, but uh, to to actually watch us rack up a good number of points, I think would would probably alleviate people's fears about. How the offense has played over the last few weeks, yeah, because it's we have another show me quite week, a isn't bit. It? it is, yeah, yeah. It's a show me week for the likes of Bourne and, and Pettis and the, the guys that have showed little flashes. That these are the games now where they can go out and rack up anywhere up to sort of half a dozen or more catches and, and get some yardage and possibly even a score or two. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, look, looking at the Tampa Bay defense and the kind of stats they've put up all season. I wouldn't be surprised if both Breder and Kittle have absolutely huge games this Sunday. I think it's definitely the best team as far as matchups is concerned for, for Kittle. Yeah. And bearing in mind that Kittle's averaging, what is it, 80, 85 yards a game? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 70, yeah it's 78 yards huge. or something. And coming up against the Tampa Bay uh, defence, you've got to wonder whether or not he's going to get 100, 120 Maybe it's even more, because we, we we seem to be able to find Kittle even when he's when he's covered, and, and that's all three quarterbacks that we've had playing for us this season. Yeah, they've all managed to find him, and he's managed to pull out some absolutely fantastic catches. So I'm really looking forward to see how Kittle plays on Sunday. Yeah, um, Tampa Bay can't cover tight ends, so I've got on my notes here that it could be a big day for Kittle, but we. It just seems like that's uh, the normal now, isn't it? It's uh, we say it every week, and, it, and he kind of delivers every week. And uh, judging the, by the stats, Tampa Bay couldn't cover my nan going down for a pension. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I mean, you look at them, you, you look at some of the ratings, you look at some of the the stats, some of the takeaways they've given away, and you think, Jesus Christ, we thought we were bad. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, I mean, th- th- this is a really poor defense we're coming up against. Yeah, they've um, they've given up 25 touchdown passes. Um, we've allowed 21. I think I'm sh- I haven't actually fact checked this, but I'm sure I saw somewhere that they've only had one interception on defense this season, and we've got two. <laughs> so that that shows you how bad both defenses are for this season. They've got yeah. a decent defensive line. I think uh, McCoy's obviously been there a few years now. He's a decent player. Levante David is a he's a good linebacker. Um, and they've got Mr. Firework Man, haven't they, on the defensive line? But I don't know whether he's um, fit for this week or not. I, I read somewhere earlier that he's uh, 
he missed practice yesterday on Thanksgiving. So, uh, so that would be a boost if he's not playing. Absolutely, yeah. So, wide receiver or the wide receiver position on the two teams. You look at the the likes of Mike Evans, who's only forty three yards short of a one thousand yard receiving season already. Deshaun Jackson is currently on seven hundred and thirty one. In comparison, the Forty ers have got Goodwin, who was placed at sixty second with three hundred and thirty one yards. Mm. It kind of speaks volumes about our receiving uh, core, um, but it also exemplifies the importance of Kittle's season. Uh, 775 yards as a tight end I mean it, it, you wonder why they don't double team Kittle every yeah. game because yeah. we can't hit anybody else yeah and Kittle's um, pretty much on to be if he stays fit he should have the best ever season for any 49ers tight end in history the way he's going I think Which he's only in... about 200 yards short of Vernon Davis's record now Did Vernon Davis just climb over the 1,000-yard mark, or was he not quite there? I'd have to check it now. It's, um, I'm sure he was about... I'm sure he fell just short. I think it was about 965 or something like that. I think you're right. I, I thought he'd only just uh, fallen short of that. And I think he was injured in the last game as well. So he, he didn't play in the last game, which would have gotten him over that 1,000 mark. Yeah. Talk yeah, about I'm... Vernon Davis... Did, did you see the touchdown pass? I did, yeah. He's still got that speed, hasn't he? He has, yeah. Still got it. It's all that jamba juice. <laughs> so, Tampa Bay's defence, the, the, to me, looking at the players they've got on there, I mean, you, you've got Pierre-Paul. I'm, I'm not going to say he's a standout player anymore. I, 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 We'd kill for someone like him on our team as a pass. I, I was sure. just about to say, yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> Would I have my now team at the moment? Yeah, I would. But other than that, the only the only person I can really say or I can see as a standout is Gerald McCoy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and I think Devontae everybody else David's, is pretty poor. He's a decent, decent yeah. linebacker. But other than that, they're uh, yeah, they're they're a poor unit. Yeah, nine hundred sixty-five was Vernon Davis' highest um, highest yardage. That was two thousand and nine. Well, he did he did start all sixteen games that season, so he fell just short. Hey. Thirteen touchdowns. Yeah. I was just about to say, he got 13 touchdowns, I remember that. Yeah. Because I, th- I think at the time, it was either one or two sh- touchdowns short of the record for a tight end. Yeah. I so yeah, K- Kittle's on pace with Gronk another now. six games to go to absolutely blow that out of the water if he stays fit. Yeah. Obviously he won't get near the touchdown count, but certainly yardage-wise, he's, uh, he's going to be up there. So, on offence, where, where do you think our most favourable matchups are. I mean, I've already mentioned Kittle. Kittle should have an absolute fantastic night. Well, uh, I watched... The run-stopping. Yeah, I watched Greater the... Um, game. Yeah, I watched the Giants-Bucks game last week, or week before last, whenever it was now, and Barkley had a huge game. Um, over 140 yards, two touchdowns. So, Breeder's got to be absolutely chomping at the bits to get going in this one, because I think Breeder could, again have a huge game in this game if he can come at touch anywhere close to what um, Saquon Barkley did for the Giants. Um, Eli Manning was pretty efficient through the game. He was a, It was a typical Eli Manning performance, really. He didn't really do anything spectacular. So that, to me, is a positive for Mullins because 
again, he's not really going to do anything spectacular, is he? He's just going to stay in there, quick release, identify his uh, his targets and uh, get rid of the ball quickly in the same way that we've seen him in his first couple of games for us. So I'd really like to see Days get some carries in this game. I, I There's a little piece of me that dies every time I see Alfred Morris pile into the into the <laughs> for a one-yard game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just... I know exactly what I'm you mean. I'm so sick of seeing that man carry the football for minimal yardage. Just... It, it's it's over. It, it's done. We're not learning anything now with Alfred Morris and, and Pierre Garçon or Paul Garçon these days. So, yeah, let's get these practice squad guys up because if that's another option that we've got to next season, then we need to see it and it's... Uh, yeah, all, the, all these guys have got to be playing for their jobs next season and certainly Alfred Morris isn't going to be any part of this team next season. So let's have a look at someone who possibly has the chance to be because we're not going to get anything for Alfred Morris, but someone like uh, a Days and, and that, you, you just never know, do you? You know, Breeder was an undrafted free yeah, agent who's, who's worked his way up. So let's have a look at, at the guys on the practice squad as well. Yep, completely agree with that approach. And like you said, hopefully we will see that this coming yeah, weekend. Yeah, I'd like to see him. Like to see him out there. Is there anything else that stands out to you about this game? Not particularly on on offense. No, that's. Uh, I think it's going to be all on the run game. Um, there's going to be a little bit on the pass game. I think it's uh, it's pretty much the standard thing that we've uh, we've said for the last couple of Mullins games. Really, I don't think much has changed at all in that time. Yeah, I, I think. Given Tampa Bay's propensity to turn the ball over, I'd like to see Salah be aggressive pretty much all game. Yeah, certainly defensively. Um, we need to do something there, don't we? Yeah. Um, blitzes, blitzes and more blitzes. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we've just said it's a huge game for the defensive backs. I don't think, personally, our defensive backs are going to hang with the Bucks wide receivers. I think there's far too much firepower there for for us to try and stay. I think we'll, we'll probably stay competitive with them for a while. But if if they get out into like a like a, if if they do the opposite of what they've had done to them all season and they end up themselves up twenty eight three, I can't see us coming back into it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think we've got the yeah. firepower to get back into. We've got a decent offense, I think, still, even with a third choice um, quarterback and backup running back and stuff in there. I just don't think we've got that explosive firepower to go out and score points quickly in a game that we're going to be chasing from possibly, you know, if, if we are three three scores down. So, yeah, defensively, it's going to be... It, it, it's We've got to try and win the turnover battle. Winston isn't great at protecting the ball. He can throw some extremely questionable passes at time, which is why he's been benched twice this season now once twice yeah. I, I lose track of how many how many times they've uh, chopped and changed and Fitzpatrick has been brought back in so yeah I think I would really like to see more than uh, two blitzes <laughs> in the yeah, without you know, you've, yeah you've, you've got to try and roll the dice and gamble on these things bring the heat see what happens they've got huge playmakers um, who are massive home run hitters but if you get to the quarterback's face and make some hits you know, you're going to stop that or at least try and eliminate that. And if it fails, if the blitz, if, if he goes all out with some blitzes and it fails, we can say, well, 
we've had a go. We, we've tried that now. It's it's an experiment that we've not done, and so be it. And if it works, then you continue to do that for the rest of the season to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned Tampa Bay could absolutely blow us out if they do the opposite of what other teams have done to them this season. I don't think that'll happen. And I, the reason I don't think it will happen is because basically their defence is garbage. Yeah. Um, they're, they're on the same level as the Raiders, if not a little bit worse than the Raiders, which is why I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. Mm. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who is aggressive going forward on offence towards the end of the game. So, yeah, I, I hope we just... Both sides of the balls, both defence and offence, I hope we just keep our foot on the pedal all the way to the end of the game. Yeah. Be aggressive on both sides of the ball. Because you've got they've got nothing to lose as far as the win loss comes concerned. We're not making the playoffs. But let's just see what the teams can do when they do play aggressively for the full four quarters. Yeah. Anything else? you think is worth mentioning about this matchup? Uh, what else is there? Not really, I don't think. <laughs> okay then. So we'll go on to other news. And the worst news to come out of the bye week was the injury to Alex Smith, former 49ers quarterback. It was a dreadful injury. Hopefully we'll see him play again. But I wouldn't count on it. It's, it's the type of injury that is a career-ending injury for somebody of his age. Um, but fingers crossed he does make it back. The reason for it being the worst is that we now probably is looking at the Cowboys getting into the playoffs <laughs> because they've overtaken Washington now after last night's uh, Thanksgiving game. And to be honest, the, the Eagles haven't been great. Can they catch them? Yeah, the only two games out. But you've got to look at the Cowboys and think they're going to make the playoffs. And in that division, I'd rather have the Eagles or the Redskins making the playoffs. Definitely not the Cowboys or the Giants. But that's what we're looking at now. So we're going to have both the Cowboys and the Rams in the uh, playoffs. It is, and but that it, feels I, don't, like I, don't a, yeah, I don't know what's more satisfying, whether the Cowboys don't make the playoffs and you kind of uh, chuckle or seeing their um, faces when they lose in the playoffs. So that, that came to mind as well. I mean, if the Cowboys come up against uh, the Rams and the Rams it's actually over, blow them it? out, it's over. I mean, that that, All the that that's a hard game to root for. <laughs> yeah, the Saints, Saints. So hopefully, the Saints will just beat them all. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that, that was a dreadful injury to Alex Smith. I hope he does recover. Yeah, it's um, I always it? liked him as a 49ers quarterback, and I, I think he was badly done to by the organisation with seven different OCs in his first seven seasons. He, yeah. He was never going to be able to come on properly like that. With with the offences and, and the coordinators and, the, and and that era of the 49ers, he's probably one of the one of the toughest um, players that's in the NFL to, to have gone through. What's the expression for uh, Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> you know, he had to crawl through however many... Hundred yards of crap to to get to where he was, wasn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, I felt awful for him on Sunday because that was it was one of the worst injuries I've seen. It was, uh, and the, the yeah. weird thing was, wasn't it? It was it happened in a Redskins home game in 
and on the same yard line as what Joe Theismann did his. And it, and it was yeah. on 33 yards, sorry, 33 yards, 33 years to the day. And it was on the same yard marker. That is... I was, just, I was just about to say, somebody actually also said it was on the same down and yardage to go. Yeah, I don't know about down and yardage, but yeah, that's just... Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some not quite right there. <laughs> there's some, yeah, some funky stuff going on there, isn't there, for, that to, to, for all that to line up and it happen again. So let, let's... Let's have a look at this scenario then. Alex Smith doesn't play again. That's it. He, he he rules out making a comeback. He's decided at his age he would rather walk away. And, well, walk away. <laughs> from <Hobble> not, away. <laughs> not, not a, yeah, hobble away. Not the best expression to use today. Um, yeah, he decides to walk away. I think Alex Smith would make a fantastic quarterbacks coach. And yeah, I know he, a lot of people is going to shoot us down for this. But, I mean, the way he brought on Kaepernick, I mean, Kaepernick, the, the two really good seasons he had, to me, that was more down to Alex Smith than anything else and Alex Smith coaching him on the sidelines. I think he'd make a fantastic quarterback coach. Yeah, I think a lot of it was scheme as well with Kaepernick, wasn't it? Well, it was yeah. It was at a time where that was a, a kind of... Uh, it was a new scheme. It was new packages. It was it was a new way of, of thinking, wasn't it, in the NFL? And he, he sort of fell into that into that sort of niche little um, period of um, huge running quarterback plays and, and the uh, the option and stuff, wasn't it? It was uh, it sort of came in and disappeared as quick as it sort of came in again, didn't it? That those sort of uh, flashy flashy plays and stuff and, well, yeah, and that, that sort of style of quarterback. Yeah. I think you can still get away with those type of players as long as you've got a quarterback who is a pocket passer. He, yeah, he can, can stand there. Can to an extent. And if you look at like, the likes of uh, the Saints and um, the Ravens now, that they've drafted quarterbacks last, I think both of them are rookies, the two that are playing this season. Is it Hill for the Saints and the guy who started for Baltimore on the weekend? can't remember his name now. Jackson, I think it was, wasn't it? They've been coming in and, and almost specifically coming in for those plays almost as a sort of standalone play haven't they for their teams this season so yeah. it's still kind of in the game but it's more of a every every so often maybe three or four times in a game as opposed to um, all the time as it was when uh, when Kaepernick was doing it yeah so it's sort yeah, of been like a yeah defensive coordinators and stuff are on top of it if it's if it's out there all the time but if it's if it's sort of sneaking in every so often in the in the likes of what Hill and Jackson and that are doing for their teams when they've got um, you know Breeze and Flacco and that as their as their main co- uh, quarterbacks, then it, it's a little bit more difficult to scheme against. And the thing that makes me laugh with that play with those plays as well is how often do you see when Jackson comes in for I hope his name's Jackson because I've said it about five times. Lamar Jackson. In, yeah, comes in for the the Ravens and Joe Flacco lines up as a wide receiver and just stands there. So essentially, you're going out there with 10 men on offense because Joe Flacco and Drew Brees to a certain extent are doing absolutely nothing lining up at wide receiver. They literally just stood there watching. So yeah. you're almost putting your team in a disadvantage by keeping those quarterbacks out there and lining them up as a wide receiver. If you, if you line them both back up in the backfield, then you're not quite sure what might go on there, are you? But if, yeah, when, when the quarterbacks actually going out, line up as wide receiver and doing absolutely nothing, you're pretty much putting your team down, down a man. Yeah, 
Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, the, when the quarterback's going out to wide receiver, it's obviously making the defence think, is the ball coming out to him just so he can actually throw it further down the field yeah. go for a long ball? So I think that would make the cornerback hesitant about moving off and covering anyone else. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. But you're right. I mean, you are taking a legitimate target away. Yeah. So, yeah, I can, I can understand why you would be at a disadvantage there. Any other points about the game or about the week that was? Uh, the week that was, um, the highlight of my week was the um, Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey carpool karaoke, which was absolutely yeah. hilarious. That second song, was that second song the Rolling Stones? Yeah, you had the Rolling Stones, then it was My Chemical Romance, and then they had a, on the second video, they had, I think there's about three or four different tracks on there, including Journey, Don't Stop Believing, and that that was, uh, yeah, brilliant. There's a proper uh, romance the, the, going on between there is, two yeah. isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was the second song they sang. So, so they started off with the Rolling Stones, and I couldn't get away with that song, but the second song, I liked it. That but was I My Chemical Romance, the, yeah. Right, I'll have to have a look for that. Yeah. I thought that was quite good, that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely love watching uh, Joe Silly on Carpool Karaoke, especially yeah, when he's just brilliant. the Disney tunes. Moana. Oh, the Disney stuff is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, in, in terms of other stuff, I've I've kind of gone back against myself from what I've said earlier in the season. I've started peeking at the draft. I've started looking at mock drafts, Lee. It's, it's happening. Yeah, because, to, to because be honest, I think all 49er fans are doing that. Yeah, because we got better off by not playing, and now we own the number one overall pick. Um, there's been quite a lot of excitement on various different websites and things this week that Nick Bosa could be coming to the 49ers. Um, yeah, I think that's, that that's my... Be, uh... Yeah, that would be more legit if we lose this Sunday, because it's hard to see where the next win might come from if we lose. Yeah, I think uh, if we lose this Sunday, lose that's this it. We don't because, the season. Yeah, the Bears are better than what we thought they were going to be. Um, yeah. The Broncos are, it's going to be a tough one. And then Seattle twice goes without saying, we're probably going to lose both of those. And then it's, the, that week 17 against the Rams is a tricky one because even though it's in LA, if they have the number one seed, um, then they're probably going to chuck it in the tank and we could be playing backups. If them and the Saints are still going all out for something, then they're probably going to blow us out the water again um, or get at least to a comfortable position and then they'll probably pull everyone once they've uh, got the game won. So, yeah, I think this yeah. is like the real last chance for us to... We'd have to get really... Yeah, we'd have to really surprise someone, I think, to, to get a win if we don't win this Sunday and that that does get you sort of thinking more about the draft I think then once you're in that that sort of position and in that frame of mind and yeah Bosa seems to be I've watched a few few videos and stuff I'm not going to profess to knowing much about it because like I said before I, I don't really watch much college football because I just I just don't have the time so but yeah from what I've seen and it's easy to to make assumptions and to form an opinion sort of based on some YouTube footage and stuff. But I mean, he's explosive off the line, isn't he? He's, he's got, um, his hands are really quick. It's almost like he comes out almost punching the way he's slapping, um, tackles about so quickly that 
they, they just don't know what to do with him. And he seems to minimise the contact that's on him as well on a lot of these uh, plays where he's getting to the um, to the quarterback. So yeah, yeah I, th- I, mean, I think who, whoever's number one, I think Nick Bosa is going to go on number one. Yeah, I think it, unless something drastically happens between now and the draft to, to knock his to knock his um, draft value down, I think he's going to go on number one. Yeah, which actually makes it really interesting to see what happens in free agency, because obviously in free agency there's some decent pass rushes. There is, yeah, in free agency. Yeah. So let, let's take uh, the Cowboys' defensive end, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Yep, I'll take him. I'll take yeah, him in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like what I've seen of it. But then, if we number one in the draft, and I don't think this draft is going to be be particularly good for quarterbacks. I, I don't think the quarterback uh, value that's coming through is very good at all. No. So I think that makes it a little bit harder to trade down. If we are stuck at number one and we can't trade after taking a. Marcus Lawrence, let's say, so we've sorted out a, a pass rusher. I think we still take Nick Bosa, number one. Yeah, I mean, how amazing would that be to have those coming off either side? Yeah. That automatically makes everyone else on, on in your defence better. Definitely, without a doubt. I mean, if you've got both of them either side and you've got Buckner coming up through the middle as well. Yeah, and Thomas, look, if he improves his game up the middle. Yeah. I mean, then you've got we've Warner and Foster a behind dominant them. Dominant yeah. four. Yeah. And then after that, you, you then add uh, another piece at cornerback. There's some decent cornerbacks out there that you can yeah. go and get. I think Morris Claiborne's out there that he could, he could be one that we could look at. Obviously, Earl Thomas is a big name at safety that is being linked with us. Um, again, he's, a, he's someone that would fit the scheme that we run, obviously, um, in the same scheme that was run in Seattle. And obviously, um, defensive coordinator that was in Seattle as well and on top of that you've also got Frank Clark at Seattle who's um, quite a decent defensive end as well as a, uh, defensive end as well um, Seattle are in a bit of a cat mess at the minute so he's going to be one to, to keep an eye on as well and again he's come out the same scheme and is familiar familiar with the coordinator so yeah there's some really good names out there in free agency this year you've got D Ford Kansas City Ziggy Answer, Detroit as well um, and we've got someone in Parag Marate who's a bit of a contract guru as well. So yeah, he's the he kind is, of guy yeah. that can go out and, and make contracts favourable in to the team. And he can, he can work out contracts based on not just 2018 or 2019, as it would be, but 2020, 21, 22. He's already planning that in with, with those sign-ins as well. So you can weight it or he can weight it in our favour Again, as he has with contracts in the past. Um, you've also got Jadavian Clowney at the Texans as well. Potentially, if he can switch to a 4-3 defensive end from his outside linebacker position, then yeah, he's definitely one. But I think the Texans... Do, do you think that's, do, do you think that's realistic with have, the Texans' cap? No, I think the Texans have got oh. a lot of cap room. So I think they're probably going to be, I would imagine... Um, short price favourites to try and keep him in there um, in the same way that I probably think um, Demarcus Lawrence is probably um, will probably end up staying in, in Dallas but you know, there's a chance we might be able to have a run at him Trey Flowers in New England as well he's another one yeah. so yeah there's there's guys out there we've got what 68 million cap room so 
I'm not saying go out and spunk 68 million this season, but it's there. And at some point, you've got to go out and, and spend it, haven't you? It's no good keeping it for a rainy day. At some point, you've got to commit. Look at what the Rams have done. The Rams have pretty much gambled everything on this season, potentially next season, on, right, we're going to win a Super Bowl or two, and then we're going to probably end up having to release everyone, cut everyone. We know we're going to probably have another three, four years rebuilding after that. But then we'll have another go at it in, I don't know, 2025 or something. And and that's the, that's the mentality that is... At some point, you've you've maybe not quite to the extreme of the Rams, but you've you've got to try and go for it. At some point, it's no point. Yeah, I, you know, I don't like don't like wasting money, but at the same time, I don't see the point in not spending it when you're building a franchise now that aren't that far away. Let's face it, because if you if you look at some of the teams who've picked number one overall in recent times, the Browns the last two years terrible. Yeah. So we might be yeah. one of the one of the better teams that have, have if we do pick number one and you know we're a little way away from that but just sort of to touch on briefly we might be one of the the better teams that have had the number one pick in recent memory because two year three years ago the Rams traded into number one overall and the Titans were dreadful that season they didn't have any playmakers at all on offense um, twenty fifteen was Tampa Bay. I didn't think the Bucks were actually that bad that season. They had Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, who were thousand-yard receivers. But Tampa Bay have been run as badly as probably any other team for years now. They always seem to flatter to deceive. And whenever you think they might be a a trendy pick or a pick that you know to to win their division or go to the playoffs, they just always flatter to deceive. And I think that season they had Mike Glennon and Josh McCown as their quarterback. So again, it's another team that weren't great but didn't really do anything Houston the year before that they they finished their season 0-14 they had Case Keenum and Matt Schaub as their quarterbacks that year the Chiefs before that were 2-14 and they were a terrible team their quarterbacks that year were Matt Castle and Brady Quinn um, so the, the only one that I can think of who's had a number one pick in recent memory would probably be the 2012 Colts and that was the year when Peyton Manning was injured and they went through a whole host of crap at quarterback so but they had a, a lot of good playmakers on defense. They had Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and stuff like that. And that was on the back of a 10-year straight run to the playoffs. And after yeah. drafting number one overall that year, they went back to 9-7 and seven and straight back into the playoffs. So that's probably, the, in more recent times, probably the best team I can think of that's had the number one overall pick. And that was reflected on the season before and the season after. So, I think I've mentioned this before, but I don't think our win-loss column reflects the quality we do have in the roster. No, it doesn't. Fair no. enough. We, we do have some gaping holes that we still need to to address. Yeah. But it, it's not as bad as what the win-loss record seems to suggest. Without no, Charlotte, I, I, think, I think we're a Jimmy Garoppolo injury away from being close to a 500, maybe over 500 record. Yeah. Because as we said before, we probably beat San Diego. We possibly squeeze out something at Green Bay. We definitely beat the Cardinals twice, and we probably beat the Giants. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, we could we could be in in the mix if it wasn't for the Garoppolo injury. So if if you take a sort of backward step and look at the, at the franchise as a whole, we're 
yeah, that, that, like you say, there are some huge holes there, and defensively we're in a bit of a mess. But it's a with a good period of uh, free agency and a strong draft, there's nothing stopping us um, turning it all around next season and in 2020. And and yeah, there's a theme if you look at all of those teams over the over um, the last few years of drafting number one overall that they've all pretty much been through backup court quarterbacks, third choice quarterbacks, picking quarterbacks off the street. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're not breaking any news here, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're pretty much screwed and you're drafting high in, in the draft every year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's something so, that I think we can kind of hold on to over the, uh, over the spring really to sort of, uh, be quite excited about next season. It's just, um, it's a bit hard work, isn't it? Watching some of these games this season when you, you know what's going to come and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice in some ways to watch some of these youngsters come on, but it's, uh, it can push your patience a bit, kind of keep losing every Sunday. Yeah. And I think as well, far as the off season's concerned, I mean, the things that you need to be looking for between January and March, if there's going to be any sort of coaching change, it's going to happen then. It's, yeah. It'll more likely literally happen after the last game of the season. I would have thought and so. Yeah. If there's going to be a coaching change, say Robert Salah, because <laughs> let's face it, he's the one that's on the hot seat. So if we get rid of him, that's I would expect that to happen within a few days of the final game of the season. Yeah. And then after that, you need to wait until the start of March. I think it's the first Thursday in March when the is that when the legal tapping up period begins. Yeah, it's a oh week before free agency, wrong. isn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah, I've not got the date to hand, but it's normally a week before free agency, I think, isn't it, where you get that tapping so, up week. That's right. So then, I think you'll have that. That So starting the, the tapping up period all the way through to the end of the draft, I think that's going to be an interesting time to see uh, if, if we do make a splash in free agency. And let's face yeah. it, we've only got five picks in the draft, so we really need to be making a, a splash in free agency and being aggressive. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, there's a chance that if, if you get – if you get your man at the top of uh, round one or with the first pick or second pick, whatever we're going to be, there's a chance then that perhaps you uh, you trade down from the number or the, the first overall pick of the second round, I guess, um, on day two um, and maybe try and pick up, uh, you know, an extra fourth or fifth rounder or something there, depending on how far you want to move down, I guess. it's uh, If someone really falls in love with someone on day one and they drop into day two then immediately you're going to be fielding a hell of a lot of phone calls on you know on that thursday night after the draft's finished yeah so and again that's yeah. where you then you sort of try and boost your your draft stock by picking up a couple of extra sort of uh, late rounders day three picks and it's three weeks with no sunday football we've got sunday football back and it's in a 6 p.m slot uk time <laughs> It's only yeah, the third time we've had one at six o'clock, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. I think it's we had six of them last year. Yeah, a lot of late nights and early mornings. Yeah, and... yeah it should be an interesting one. Yeah, I think it will um, be. So, back, back, back to Sunday's game then. So, the over-under is currently at 55 points with the Bucks three-and-a-half-point favourites. I think you went definitely went first last time, so I'll go for the first this time. So I'm going to go over because I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think we'll definitely get over the 55, just based off the two defences, really. 
and because I'm the ever optimist, I'm, I'm uh, gonna, I've got I've got to go for a forty nine as win. <laughs> I've got to. So I'm going to go. I think it'll, like I said, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be 38, 35, 49ers. Uh, yeah, very similar teams. I think we'll smash the over. Um, I think Tampa Bay, I th we'll push the cover close. I think Tampa Bay win. And I think it's going to be something like 41-37. Yeah. I think Tampa, Tampa Bay so, win but, by about four, point, four points. Yeah, very similar predictions, obviously skewed. You, you, you predicting with your head, me with my heart. Yeah. <laughs> right, so let's, let's hope it is a high-scoring game. It's going to end up being 6-6 six, six tie, this. Guaranteed yeah. it. Or something stupid like 2-2, two, two, two safeties. <laughs> something really bad like that. Right, predictions. So the the tip I'm going for this week, um, it's actually something that one of our members fell foul of uh, a few years ago, back in 2015. And uh, Rachel Cole was out there for one of the games. I can't remember which one. But she bought a mini helmet from the team store before she actually went into the stadium. And they actually made her put it in a bin. They wouldn't let her take it through security. And I think that's an absolute disgrace considering they actually sold those mini helmets inside the stadium. Yeah. Exactly the same price. But they wouldn't allow her through the gate with that mini helmet. So if if you do go over there for a game and you're there game day, I'll, I'd be very hesitant about buying anything like that in the team store before you actually go through security and get in the stadium. Especially when you can buy the same thing actually in the stadium and they're not going to tell you to throw it away either. So just be careful of that one. Yeah, mine's a nice, straightforward, easy one. Um, if you're staying in the city or south of the city, um, just catch the bar up to near your hotel because it's so easy and it's much, much cheaper than getting a cab. Um, I think the last time I went, it was about $10, I think, from, from the airport straight into the city. Um, a cab is going to cost you probably one in excess of $50, I would have thought. Um, with the traffic on 101, as bad as it gets, it's definitely cheaper to do it on the bar it's uh you know you go upstairs at the um after getting your luggage and go straight to the straight to the bar station and uh and uh head on into the city from there if uh if you are staying somewhere that's near a, a bar, bar stop and uh paul and montgomery stops uh sort of in that union square area so yeah there's definitely uh it, it's easy to get to get around from there as well um there's plenty of room on there as well to put your luggage and stuff. So, yeah, that would be my tip. Fantastic. Yeah, I can, I can vouch for that as well. The bot's really good. Yeah. As long as you don't go through Auckland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, then it's not too good. Um, so a couple of more things just before we finish off. Uh, YouTube, absolutely fantastic effort, guys. We've hit 106 subscribers, which means we now have a custom YouTube channel ID. Um, I've tested that out just by searching for or Googling 49 Faithful UK and straight away the, the YouTube channel comes up. And when you click on it, you don't see the channel ID. Um, that is if you want to go direct via that actual link. So when you go through Google, it still has the same mix of characters and numbers that are meaningless. Um, but on our business cards, which I've had produced, 
we, we now have our channel ID, which takes you to exactly the same place as well. And it looks a lot better on a business card as well. So hopefully that'll promote the group a bit more and help us to realize what was the founding aim of the group. And that's sort of bringing all 49er fans in the UK into a central group so that we can have uh, bigger and better meetups um, and basically have one central voice where we can do everything, which again was the whole point of being a booster club as well, um, to get everybody in the one place and try and push on from there. And the other thing is, obviously, it, it's the meetup in Manchester on Sunday for the Tampa Bay game. Um, I'm not sure how many is going at the moment, um, but I'll be there from 7 o'clock in the Brotherhood I'll have the flag. I'm also actually taking a mobile Wi-Fi device just in case the Brotherhood have issues with their internet connection. And then it's just as a, a backup just to make sure that we can can see the game okay. Um, I've been guaranteed that they've tested it a few different times and the internet connection was fine. So really looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing everybody that uh, turns up on Sunday. I think that's about it. So thank you for listening again, guys. Um, feedback is always welcome. Just stick it in the group page. See you next week. Cheers. Love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep heart. Garrison Hurst, stiff far going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.